It's progress. Uh, any of you? Okay, some of you have. Uh, those of you in our Christian school, it's a part of our, of our curriculum, uh, the Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, a Baptist preacher who was thrown into prison because he would not take a license to preach. And uh, thank the Lord for men of our forefathers that had courage and guts to stand that we might have the freedom here today to preach. But that, I, I would encourage every Christian to read The Pilgrim's Progress, to pick that up and, and get that and read that. And uh, thank you for the song this morning, uh, dear. Let's take our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter number 2 this morning. Mark chapter number 2, if you're able to stand with us, let's read just a portion of the scripture here. Uh, Mark chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse number one, Mark chapter two. This is really a neat section of scripture. All of the Bible is precious, but uh, this section of scripture uh, I've used many times witnessing to cult members uh, who deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And you're going to see in this scripture very clear references to the deity of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? That's true. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house, and immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And what a miracle. This morning, the title of our message, What Faith Can Do. What Faith Can Do. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And we so need the Lord. Would you ask the Lord to have his way in your hearts? In this service, let's yield ourselves to him. We recognize this morning, without him, it's all in vain. We so need him this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. So good to be in church. And Lord, not by accident that any individuals here. We're always grateful that you know every heart and every need. And Lord, as your word goes forth, we pray that your spirit's would take your word at the very point of need. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that spiritually they are paralyzed. Spiritually, today, they're lost. Oh, Lord, how they need a word from heaven today. 
And I pray, God, that you would minister at that point of need. Lord, all of us need to be challenged here this morning to faithfully witness and seek to bring others unto you, knowing that you have the answer for every need. I pray this morning, have your way in this service. Uplift and exalt your name. We pray in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this morning, what faith can do. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And in Hebrews 11, verse number 6, we read, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's very evident in the Word of God and in this passage, uh, the book of Hebrews, faith pleases God. In fact, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we see that faith is rewarded of God. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. And again, God rewards biblical faith. Now look with me in verse number 5, Mark chapter 2, this morning, what faith can do. We read, when Jesus saw their faith, I think this is interesting. We have four men bringing a palsied man to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And so we have a, a palsied man made whole, and more importantly, it's very clear, he was saved, he was made whole spiritually, he was forgiven for his sins. And so their journey to Jesus was well worth it. I want to start this morning with the object of faith. This is so important. You see, biblical faith has as its object the Lord Jesus and his promises. That's very clear in our account of this miracle. I want you to get the context here. Go back to verse number 1. In verse number 1, he entered, or again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Now, Capernaum was the center of his early earthly ministry. Uh, in chapter 1, many of the miracles that we read about took place in Capernaum. Uh, you go back with me to chapter 1, verse 21. We have the healing of a demon-possessed man in the synagogue in Capernaum. It says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. In verse number 23, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. All Jesus had to do was speak the word, saying, 
hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out. And the Bible says they were all amazed and so much they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. So here's Jesus in the synagogue early in his ministry, healing, cleansing this demon-possessed man. Verse 28 of chapter 1, his fame spread immediately. His fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Now we go to verse number 33, and all the city was gathered together at the door that speaks of Capernaum. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. All of this happened in Capernaum. And we come back to chapter 2 and Jesus now returns to the city of Capernaum. And we go to verse number 3. And they come unto him speaking of these four bringing one sick of the palsy which was born afar. Now, the thought seems to be simply this. If we can get our friend to Jesus, Jesus will make a difference. Somebody described this as the first bus ministry. Uh, he was born of four, and they carried the four corners of this man uh, on perhaps a wooden pallet and brought him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's very clear that their faith was in Jesus. Their faith was in his ability. They've heard the stories, the fame of Jesus has spread throughout this region. They've heard the miracles. They've heard the healings of Jesus. Uh, they've maybe even seen some of the evidence. Maybe they knew some individuals that had been healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10 verse 17 tells us, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Having heard the accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ, they believed those accounts and they believed that they could get their friend to Jesus, that he could make a difference and heal their friend. There's a lot of misunderstanding about faith, a lot of false teaching about faith. Some have taught, if I can just muster up enough faith, I can have whatever I want. And they're looking within themselves. You've heard the statement, just have faith. Well, what's your faith in? Is it in yourself? Uh, you're a mess. Is, it in your, is your faith going to be in your ability to have faith? Uh, your faith, and here the Bible is teaching very clearly and throughout the Word of God, must be anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. Biblical faith has the anchor of God's Word and the truth of God's Word and the will of God and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Biblical faith is anchored in the promises of God and in the ability of God to fulfill those promises. I want to give you an illustration. Keep your place in the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. And I'd like you to go with me to Romans chapter 4 in the life of Abraham. And you'll see this so well illustrated in Abraham's life. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans 4, verse 17. This speaks of Abraham's faith as he awaited the promise of this child, Isaac, in his old age. In verse 17, Romans 4, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Speaking of Abraham, who against hope believed in hope 
that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. A very key verse, verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. You see, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We believe by faith that God spoke the world into being. We believe that God said, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, we believe by faith in the promises of God. We believe that what God speaks, God is able also to perform. Uh, we believe in the promises of God concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe that God spoke it, God promised it, God will bring it about. Now, that brings me back to our passage in Mark chapter 2. These men had heard the word concerning Jesus. And they believed him to be able. And they believed him to be willing. And their hearts stirred them to make their way to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was the object of their faith. Now consider secondly with me this morning the obedience of faith. See, biblical faith is active. Biblical faith is obedient. When these men heard that Jesus was back in town... They retrieved their poor, palsied friend, and they made their way to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, their faith moved them to action. Their hearts stirred them to do something. Again, keep your place. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter of the Bible. We alluded to this earlier. You can see this is so very clearly revealed to us in this faith chapter of the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 11, as we read about these heroes of faith, you'll notice, for example, verse 4, Abel. It says, by faith, Abel, and then we read, offered. The action of his faith. Offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Now, I, I believe that Abel believed and knew of a blood sacrifice. We know in Genesis chapter 3 that when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God killed the innocent animals, shed the blood of those animals. A sacrifice was given, and God clothed them with the skins of those innocent animals. And then God gave them a prophecy of a coming Lamb of God that would go to the cross and shed His blood. Abel has heard these stories. Abel believed these stories. And the faith of Abel caused Abel to bring this blood sacrifice as an offering, looking forward, I believe, to the cross of Calvary. By faith, Abel worshipped God. Now, in Hebrews 11, verse number 5, we read of Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated. That he should not see death was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, 
He had this testimony that he pleased God. We can go back to Genesis 5, and we gain that account. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 5, in a wicked world, Enoch walked with God. And because Enoch walked with God, he did so by faith, uh, it's almost as if God says to Enoch one day, Enoch, you're closer to me than you are to the world. Why don't you just come on up and be with me? And we have here a picture of the rapture in the life of Enoch. Enoch, by faith, walked with God. In verse number 7, we read of the faith of Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Here by faith, Noah worked. God has warned Noah, I'm going to judge this world. Noah, it's going to rain. It's going to flood. And Noah wants you to build an ark. And the Bible says that by faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his household. His faith moved him to action. And by the way, the ark and all of these are pictures and types of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, our ark of safety, our refuge in coming judgment. And so by faith, Noah worked. We go to verse number 8, Abraham. Uh, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, what does it say? Obeyed. His faith moved him to action. God spoke, said, Abraham, I have a land for you. Abraham, I'm going to give to you a nation. And Abraham, believing God, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Uh, then really the pinnacle of Abraham's faith in verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And this is Genesis chapter 22, where God said, Abram, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son that you love. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And Abraham obeyed the Lord. By faith he offered up Isaac. And the Bible tells us that God spoke and sent his angels. Said, Abraham, no, I just wanted to know your obedience. And Abraham, because you have obeyed me, you'll be the father of many nations. And God promised his blessings upon Abraham. See, biblical faith responds to God and his word. Back in Mark chapter 2, I relate this to these men. These men heard the word of Jesus. They heard of his ability. They had a friend that was palsied. Their faith moved them to bring this friend to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me relate this to salvation. Our salvation is through God's grace when our faith is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, this faith that the Bible speaks about is not simply a head knowledge. The devils believe and they are not saved. I might know a chair will hold me up. I might know that this chair, if I sit in it, is going to hold me. But see, I, my, a, a true faith will move me to action, will move me to sit in that chair, to take that chair and to put my faith in that chair. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I, I believe that he will save me if I come to him. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. 
See, believing this, I turn from myself, I turn from trusting my goodness, I turn from trusting my religion, I turn from my own ability, and I turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. I receive his gift. It's not Christ plus church. It's not Christ plus my baptism. It's not Christ plus my works. It's Christ and Christ alone. And when I hear that word, when I believe that word, when I sit in that chair, when I take the Lord at his word and I place my faith in the anchor of what Jesus has promised me, I take him at his word knowing that he will not lie. I believe that he promised if I would come to him, he would save me. He's able to save me. He's willing to save me. See, that faith drives me to Jesus Christ. And I receive the gift of eternal life. These men had faith that Jesus was able and that Jesus would and that faith brought them to Jesus and they brought the palsy man to Jesus. That's the kind of faith that can move mountains. That's the obedience of their faith. Now we go back to Mark chapter 2. You'll see in Mark chapter 2 the obstacles of their faith. True biblical faith will always face obstacles. But true biblical faith will persist through these obstacles. Now let me give you three obstacles to their faith. First of all, the condition of the man. Read again verse number three. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Sick of the palsy. Now the biblical meaning, cerebral palsy, probably total paralysis. Uh, would appear this man completely paralyzed. He's unable to walk, unable to get to Jesus on his own. He's bound in his chair, he's bound to his bed, has no ability within himself. Now, these men designed a plan, a plot, to get their friend to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we mentioned perhaps a, a wooden pallet and one man at each corner to carry this pallet. A great testimony to us. See, there are many that if we could get them to Jesus, he would make the difference in their lives. I think of a young man maybe that feels hopeless. He's contemplating suicide. But Jesus would give him hope. And Jesus could give him a purpose to live. How can we get him to Jesus? There's a woman maybe frustrated with her marriage, disappointed with her husband, disappointed with her home, contemplating leaving it all. But Jesus could make the difference. How could we get her and her family to Jesus? Maybe there's a family about to give up on having a blessed home. Constant rebellion, constant Argument. Jesus could heal the palsy, paralyzed home if he were given a chance. You see, somehow we need to get them to Jesus. And maybe there are individuals, even a family here today, that you could give your time to do a van route. You could give your time to visit families and children on a Saturday, to pick them up on Sunday. So that was the case with a young girl that grew up in a troubled home that we happen to know fairly well. And she rode their bus to Sunday school. 
Some young uh, people came by from the college, invited her to Sunday school. She rode their bus to Sunday school, got saved in their ministry, uh, surrendered her life to the Lord Jesus Christ, went on to Bible college, married a godly young man, became a missionary to the Ukraine because somebody overcame the obstacle to get them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody here today, you would commit to regularly visiting, handing out tracts and carrying tracts and flyers and uh, cheering, uh, taking the gospel message. We support a missionary to Brazil. Somebody went to his home. He was living in religion, lost, empty, guilty. They left a gospel tract. He read the gospel tract, uh, heard the message of Christ through that tract, called upon the name of the Lord looked on the back of the track, found the address to the church, went to that church, surrendered his life to the Lord, was baptized in that church. God called him to preach. Today, he's a missionary in Brazil that we support. It's all because somebody made the effort to get him to Jesus. So many ways. Bring them to your home for a meal. We're going to talk about that tonight. Get them under the influence of the gospel. See, our world is palsied spiritually. Our world is spiritually paralyzed. And we need to find creative ways to get individuals to Jesus because that will make the difference. And here the condition of the man was an obstacle. Uh, look with me in verse 4, chapter 2. The crowd was an obstacle. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press... They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now they knew that if they could get this man to Jesus, Jesus would heal him. When they arrived, they found a seemingly impossible situation. A multitude gathered about the doors, not a path into the door, not a path through the window, no path into the home where Jesus was teaching. Most would have given up at that point, gone back home. And too often, we give up. We fall short. We miss the blessing. But they devised a plan. They carried the man to the roof. They opened a hole in the roof. They lowered the man to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, I think this may have been Peter's house that we talked about in chapter 1 and you can imagine the boldness of Peter. Here's Peter seeing some people breaking up his house. I would imagine he's not happy about that. But here are these men so in tune, so intent on getting this palsied man to Jesus. See, an important lesson. There's always a way to Jesus. There's always room at the foot of the cross. There's always a means of reaching a heart. I think of, of Don Richardson, missionary to Papua New Guinea, to a cannibal tribe. It was constant war. He moved into this area with his family. They loved his presence there. Constant war between the tribe where he stayed and another tribe. And when he told the story of Judas betraying Jesus, Judas was their hero. Because in their culture, uh, to betray a friend was the height of, really, wisdom. And so here's Judas betraying Jesus, now their hero. Uh, Don Richardson given up hope. Uh, there was war. 
He expressed to the tribe, I'm leaving unless you make peace with the neighboring tribe. The leader wanted him so much to stay. The tribe wanted him so much to stay. The leader had a newborn baby. He called a meeting with the opposing tribe. He gave his newborn baby to the leader of that opposing tribe. And that newborn baby became what they called the peace child. And as long as that peace child was alive, there would be peace between the two warring factions. And now suddenly, Judas became the scum. Because to betray the peace child, and that's what Jesus is, as Don Richardson explained this, that Jesus was God's peace child. Entered into the world to bring peace. We're at war with God. And God gave His Son to bring peace to our hearts. And oh, what a joy as that story was described in multitudes of the tribes. See, there's a way to Jesus. There is something in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl that knows God's real. Jesus is real. And there's a way if we can prayerfully seek opened the door to share about the Lord Jesus Christ in Don Richardson's case. Now look would be at verse number 5. Here's another obstacle. Here's the criticism of the scribes. It's an obstacle. I want to read again this section of Scripture. Verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now Jesus went right to the heart. Sin is the root of every problem. He went right to the heart of this man's need. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? They're right in that sense. Our sin is against a holy God. And who can forgive that sin but God? whom we've sinned against. They're wrong in their assessment, however, of who Jesus is. And so in verse number 8, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, Take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. In other words, he's claiming deity right there. That you may know, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all. What a miracle took place that day. He proved himself to be God with all power with all authority, with all ability. There will always be criticism. Some may think that you're wasting your time investing in a van ministry, handing out tracts, inviting people to church. Some don't understand the power, the authority of Jesus. They don't believe that he can change a life. They don't understand that he's the one that can set the captive free. He's the one that can put a home together He's the one that can heal the spiritual palsy. Now, some will discourage your efforts, uh, being faithful to church, giving your tithe, your talent, your treasure, your time unto the Lord. 
Uh, some will discourage you from working at getting people to Jesus. But true faith will overcome the obstacles. And true faith will press on until it finds the answer in Jesus Christ. Now the obtaining of their faith, we mentioned in the beginning, the Lord rewards biblical faith. Again, look at verse 5 in this statement when Jesus saw their faith. See, there was the faith of the men who carried the palsy man. They believed that Jesus could heal their friend. That's why they made the efforts, and their faith was rewarded. Oh, that God would help us to truly believe parents, grandparents. Your faith can impact your family, your children, your grandchildren. You see, you can believe and pray and seek the face of God. and You can make the difference in the lives of your children. Sunday school teacher, your faith can make an impact. I'm thinking back to when I was a little boy in a Sunday school class. And my Sunday school teacher gave the testimony as to how he had come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I remember that testimony before I was saved. That testimony impacted me and later became an example to me as I came to saving faith myself in the Lord Jesus Christ. A soul winner, don't ever give up. You see, press on, uh, pray on, and seek on for the salvation of your friends. Now, there was the faith of these four, but there was the faith of the palsy man. See, he believed. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. As that palsy man came that day, the real burden was the guilt and the shame of his heart. That was a greater burden than his paralysis. That guilt, that shame, and it's very evident as Jesus looked at this man, he knew the need of this man's heart. He knew the cry of the heart. He's God. He, knew, he knows all things. And here he knows this man has a deep need in his heart. Now we understand. Children are not saved because their parents are saved. This palsy man was not saved because these four had the faith to bring him to Jesus. No, this palsy man had to put his faith, himself, into Jesus Christ and receive the forgiveness of his sins. Every individual must exercise faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe a young man here, young lady today, Somebody's been praying for you. I've shared this many times. I'm a preacher because of a grandmother that prayed for a preacher grandson. God heard her prayer. But the time had to come when I surrendered to the call of God on my life. Maybe young man, young lady, somebody's been praying for you. Somebody invited you to church and today you can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe there's somebody here this morning, deep in the depths of your heart, there's guilt, there's shame, and today you can hear the Lord as He speaks to your heart, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, I want you to notice how their faith was rewarded. There's the forgiveness of sins, the salvation of this man, that's the greatest need of men. But all men spiritually pulsate, and they receive this miracle 
as this man began to rise up and walk. <laughs> Can you imagine? Here's a, here's a man. Can't walk. Paralyzed. Comes to Jesus. Jesus speaks the word. Son, your sins are forgiven you. And then he goes further. That you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive thy sins. He said, rise. Take up thy bed and walk. Remember, there's a crowd about the house. Can you imagine the awe of that crowd? Now this is Capernaum, not that large of a place. And probably most people know of this palsied man in the city of Capernaum. And now this miracle, this man walks. They receive by faith this miracle, this physical healing. What a change took place that day because some men exercised faith. Faith pleases God. Faith is rewarded of God. What faith can do. The object of our faith is not something that you muster up within. It's based upon the promises of God. The word of God. The will of God. And it's anchored in the fact that what God has promised... He's able to perform. I tell you this morning that God can save anyone who will come to Jesus Christ. That's a promise. The obedience of faith. See, true faith, biblical faith will move you to action. We're not saved by works, but true faith will move you to actually sit in the chair to exercise that faith, to reject your trust in self and turn alone to Jesus Christ. Obstacles of faith, your faith will face obstacles. But faith will be rewarded. The obtainment, the obtaining of faith. I'd like for just a moment, every head bowed, 